this text. The pre-sexual assault scandal is terrible. So is the fact that the story was released to the media the night before Kavanaugh's SCOTUS hearings. He's a devout Catholic. You think this happened by chance? Hmm. Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, I think probably so. I don't think it was on their mind at all. I think they had thousands of victims that they'd talked to, were disgusted, and couldn't wait to get this report out as soon as it was ready to go. And I saw some of the people talking on ABC This Week yesterday. Their stories are freaking unbelievable. Freaking unbelievable. Anyway, um, yeah. Um, so on the Trump thing, the Giuliani thing, the Yankin Brennan's pass thing. I was oh, thinking about security clearance. The security clearance. Yeah. I was thinking about this yesterday. It's you know, it's hard to uh, eliminate bias. Well, you can eliminate it, but it, it's 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 hard to because you, you don't you 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 come to any situation or set of facts with a um, a framework already. I, that, that's your bias. Might have been formed in infancy or be, begun to be formed in infancy. Right, and I work at it pretty hard, but you know it's it's impossible to do completely. But I was thinking about. Um, Some of the things Trump has done recently and thinking, what if Hillary Clinton had done these exact same things? Coming with the framework of, I think Hillary is a, is and, and would have been as president, a scary beast willing to do anything. As the Clintons their entire lives did whatever they wanted to do to fit their, to fit their needs. Well, and she didn't apply to them. To me, she's the cold calculating amoral one in that relationship. Yes, yes, yes. And everything that I thought about her, if she'd elected president and she started yanking people's um, security credentials, which had never been done before Mm -hmm. because they were bad mouthing her. Yeah. I would think that I would think, Oh my God, she's willing to do anything. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. This is off the rails. Yeah. Of course, who would, well, who with top security clearances would be screeching about her committing treason if she did the reset button again? Well, I don't know. You'd have to come up with a situation, but yeah, whatever it was, I would be thinking, oh, my God, she really has no limits to what she'll do. The way yeah. a lot of people who who come to it with the idea that Trump is is evil mm-hmm. think that about him yeah so i think there is bias there um i don't I, who, who was it yesterday somebody highly placed well and clearly chuck todd would be searching for reasons why it was okay that would be his bent um, sleepy eyes chuck todd yeah there would be that's that's true there would be the difference that the media would be less enthusiastic about it no doubt about it um but I, I saw somebody over the weekend, I guess it was a politician, talking about how Trump is hell-bent on becoming the next Mussolini. Ah! I guess we've moved away from Hitler to Mussolini. Did he but... hear how Mussolini ended up? That's <laughs> not a good goal. I just, I still am not worried about that happening. Our system does not allow that to happen. Oh, no. No, so, Republicans won't let it happen. Never mind Democrats and the courts and the people. Yeah. So anyway. But then fear is such a great driver of ratings. It may, It's the best. See, I, I know you, you think that's it. I think they actually believe it. I think they actually believe this. Well, and it's a good driver of ratings, but I think they actually believe it. I don't think Chuck Todd's pretending that he's concerned that Trump is trying to be the next Mussolini. He actually believes that. So he's delusional. Well, that's <laughs> well, frightening. Well, <laughs> anyway, so we got to get to the uh, 
Chuck Todd versus Rudy Giuliani, which I just heard in the top of the hour news on one of our broadcasts. Yes. He's America's mayor. Let's hear him. What I have to tell you is, look, I'm not going to be rushed into having him testify so that he gets trapped into perjury. And when you tell me that, you know, he should testify because he's going to tell the truth and he shouldn't worry. Well, that's so silly because it's somebody's version of the truth, not the truth. He didn't have a, a conversation. Truth is truth. About, I, I don't mean to go like. I, no, I it isn't truth. Truth isn't truth. The president of the United States says I didn't. Truth isn't I, truth. Mr. Mayor, do you realize what I mean? I, no, I, no, no. This no, is going to become a bad don't, don't, do, don't, do, don't do this to me. You know. Yeah, we should try the longer version even because he goes on to give an example of if somebody says this and then somebody says that. Oh, yeah, there. I could. You want it? Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Donald Trump says, I didn't talk about Flynn with Comey. Comey says, you did talk about it. So tell me what the truth is. Yeah, I mean, uh, so so listen. So then what? Then where are you? I, as somebody said, do you trust the guy who uh, has a history of telling the truth or not telling the truth? Maybe that, you know, somebody's got to make that determination. There are a number of folks I've talked to again in real life or read their emails or, or whatever who are just exhausted trying to explain what the president meant because you have to a lot. And you'd think a guy like that would get a spokesman who you don't have to constantly explain what he meant <laughs> to make any sense of it. From a legal point of view, I get exactly what Rudy's trying to say. And, you know, the whole... If you heard that... Because I heard this after I saw the controversy, mm-hmm. after I saw the headlines Me and too. people going crazy Me and everything. Too, like yeah. That. If you had heard it originally, I think if I had heard it originally, it wouldn't have stood out to me. I really don't think it would have. It makes perfectly good sense to me. I don't think that's biased. It actually makes perfectly good sense to me what he's saying. And I would have thought Chuck Todd's trying way too hard here. Right. Well, this, oh, Mr. Mayor, from a legal perspective, you have a couple of different things. Two people could remember an event very, very differently. Happens all the time. Two people see it from a different point of view. Two witnesses to the same crime have very, very different stories. They are both telling, quote, unquote, the truth. You know, I understand what he's saying from a legal perspective, especially in the context of perjury. You might tell the truth. There's somebody else who believes they're telling the truth. What is the final truth might be independent of both of those things. So what he was trying to say was he might think he's telling the truth and somebody will ultimately decide it isn't, even though he was 100% sincere, but he explained it rather poorly because he's very old and babbles. (laughs) I don't know. All right, so it's either giant controversy or not. We got this text. Well, but I'd like to, somebody who thinks it's a giant controversy, explain, okay, what did Rudy mean then? Why are you pretending this is a big deal? Do you think Rudy was actually arguing to Chuck Todd that they're going to lie or lying is okay or lying is good? Positive, Sean, you look like you want to chime in. Yeah, because when I first heard it, I was like, well, that's... That's a horrible thing to say. That's not going to play well. I wasn't thinking legally, like, is there defense on this? I'm thinking from a marketing, like, trying to get your ideas out there. That is a horrible way to phrase your argument. Could not be worse. (laughs) You are opening yourself up to a tremendous amount of criticism. Right. Right. And uh, You've handed your opponents a bat to whack you with yet again. And I do not not disagree that, that there are two separate things being kind of hailed as the truth. But the reason why people want them, okay, go, because you can lie to the media, you can lie to, you know, you can get in front of a microphone and just say what you want. What people want is for these men to enter into an arena where there is a penalty for lying. So then now we can maybe figure out which of these truths we we need to know. Which is truthier. 
Well, yeah, yeah. we'll see. That's what Mueller is doing theoretically. So we're going to have a guest on hopefully later. And I guess if we don't get him, then we'll have to talk about ourselves because Trump's lawyer, that was the big Sunday morning story in the New York Times. Trump's lawyer did 30 hours of interviews with uh, with Mueller. Mm-hmm. Trump's own lawyer. Yeah. And, uh, and, and what came out of that, who the freak knows. But that's going to get closer to what Sean was just talking about. Uh, people uh, giving their version of the story to people you're not allowed to lie to. And Rudy was making the argument yesterday that Trump doesn't need to testify now because his lawyer talked to Mueller for 30 hours. It's all out there. Mm. Chuck Todd was making the argument, well, now you need the president even more so that you can either confirm or or not confirm what was said there. See if the stories match up. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know how that's going to play. Well, and Sleepy and Eyes Chuck Todd, who the president, sleeping son of a bitch. That's what I'm saying. Whatever that means. Uh, Michael Warren of the Weekly Standard is going to join us in a couple of minutes to oh, explain okay. the uh, the president's tweet storm, which okay. had everything to do with his lawyer and Mueller and yeah. the rest of it. Yeah, and then we'll move thing. on. Yeah, yeah then yeah. we'll move the hell on. We promise. God, we promise. God. That was a pretty big story in the New York Times. So they claim 12 sources for the story. Um, and, and and certainly Trump, the, at least Rudy yesterday, admitted that that is true. Trump's lawyer did talk to Mueller for, for all those hours. All and, right, then we wrap it up. I want to talk more about forestry. The conifer, is it a bastard tree? Stay with us. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. story over the weekend in case you didn't see it and i hope you didn't see it i hope your life doesn't include reading stuff like this but anyway new york times uh according to a dozen current and former white house officials current and former who talked to the new york times um trump's lawyer mcgann douglas mcgann the second did 30 hours of interviews with the Mueller people and talked about all kinds of stuff. Described the president's fury toward the Russia investigation and the ways in which he urged McGahn to respond to it and uh, provided the investigators examining whether Mr. Trump obstructed justice a view of the president's intimate moments with his own lawyer. And uh, then Trump tweeted a whole bunch about it because uh, he wanted to respond to that very, very lengthy article. Indeed, and Michael Warren, senior writer at the Weekly Standard, is writing about that response in the original article and helping us understand what it's all about. Hello, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's our, our pleasure. So, Don McGahn, White House counsel, uh, why why has he testified so much, and how does uh, the president feel about it? Why don't we start there? Well, according to the president himself, he's given McGahn and everybody else uh, at the White House uh, license to testify and talk with uh, Mueller's staff because he has nothing to hide. So this is the message. This is sort of a follow-up message to the piece. But if you read the piece, um, and, uh, you know, I'm making an educated guess having followed this and covered this White House and and followed the coverage of it, that, uh, that McGahn, or rather probably his lawyers, um, had a lot of involvement with the New York Times article. Um, they seem to be 
tried to put a lot of distance uh, between McGahn and the president. Um, that the, you know that this is uh, uh, the White House counsel essentially trying to say, look. I'm cooperating with the Mueller investigation, and uh, uh, you know I've seen quite a lot of things um, that uh, that that might give them information regarding their interest in obstruction of justice and, and looking into those possible charges. Well, so, they, they state in the article for anybody who didn't read it that McGahn uh, quite possibly was doing this just to protect himself because he was afraid Trump was setting him up for a legal for a legal fall. So he wanted right. to get his version out there. That there, there seems to be uh, a view within McGahn's own legal team that uh, this was right a, a bit of CYA uh, to make sure that uh, that that McGahn wasn't um, the fall guy. And so it's interesting. We've we've known that McGahn's been cooperating uh, with the Mueller team, but I'm, I was a little confused, or a little curious about why this story now is. It, does McGahn think that he's about to be pushed out uh, of the White House? Does he? Uh, think that there's going to be another shooter drop within the Mueller uh, investigation. There might be more indictments or or a report coming. I'm not quite sure, but it was very clear that McGahn is trying to distance himself as much as he can uh, from the president. And, and so I thought it was ironic that the president's tweets responding to this, calling it fake news and, and false and all those things, which I don't think is entirely true, um, it really kind of pulled McGahn back to him, said, I gave him permission to do this, and, and McGahn is very loyal. So um, there's this tension between the president and the White House counsel, which, again, is not the president's own lawyer. It's, it's, it's the top lawyer for the White House and the office of the presidency as an institution. That's the person who's in a lot of important conversations, uh, and, and clearly Mueller is interested in figuring out what uh, what McGahn knows. So the White House lawyer has lawyers. Michael, do they have lawyers as well? Where, <laughs> where does this end? It's... Well, well, let me tell you, here in Washington, uh, it is... Uh, it is the salad days for for lawyers. Everybody is lawyered up, and uh, uh, it's it's terrific if you've got a law degree. Um, but no, it's it, it, there, look, this is this is what happens, and this is why the naming of the special counsel is has been so um, uh, difficult for the Trump administration. It's basically you've got an entire West Wing of people who are lawyered up and worried that they might say something uh, to one of their colleagues that could be eventually used against them. And this is sort of not a good way to operate, uh, particularly in a high-level position like uh, at the White House. Help me understand, help us understand how Don McGahn could be guilty of obstruction of justice if he is merely the uh, presidency's legal representative. I mean, he's going to represent their interests. I'm a little confused by that point. Well, it's look. It's this is all sort of uh, informed speculation here because we don't know everything. We don't know. We don't have the, the the sort of chart that Mueller may have to sort of piece this all together. But there are some there is some evidence that uh, McGahn was involved in the discussions, for instance, to fire uh, James Comey. There was uh, he was involved in the uh, in the discussions to fire uh, Mike Flynn, of course, the former national security advisor who uh, made a plea deal with Mueller. Um, any of those areas around whether or not the president uh, was interested in getting Comey to lay off Flynn and the FBI's investigation of Flynn, whether or not the president was politically motivated to uh, fire James Comey, um, any of those questions, McGahn would have been in those conversations. And so that's sort of 
the thrust of this New York Times article. I think what people may not necessarily be considering here, and I'm, I'm taking a lot of this from a very sharp but left-wing uh, legal journalist um, uh, uh, named, uh, uh, named Wheeler, um, she's, she argues that, uh, that, that there could be some involvement of McGahn uh, in the actual substance of potential Russian meddling or the sense that uh, they may have tried to, uh, at the White House, uh, to cover up any sort of uh, information that suggests there might have been some knowledge by somebody in Trump's campaign or Trump's transition uh, of of the Russian interference in the 2016 election. So all those questions, we just don't know. And I think what's really important to remember is that President Trump doesn't know either. President Trump doesn't know what all has been discussed and what exactly Mueller is looking at. So that seems to suggest he's, he's angry, frustrated, and a little nervous about what 30 hours of conversation between Mueller and McGahn could mean for him. I'm not sure I could talk for 30 hours about anything. Um, uh, so a lot of the Trump hating media was thrown out, uh, the name John Dean from back in the Nixon days, because he was part of the Nixon cover up. And then at some point decided to save his own skin, um, that he would uh, come forward with everything. And, uh, whether McGahn is that it's also possible. You got to realize that Trump didn't obstruct justice and he doesn't care if the white house lawyer, uh, talks forever because he's got nothing to hide. That is possible. No, I think that's absolutely possible, and that's the argument that Trump is making. He essentially says that the New York Times is trying to make Don McGahn look like John Dean. Right. Uh, and John Dean, of course, was um, actually sort of uh, helping with the cover-up as he was working with uh, the, the federal investigators in, in, in Congress. And so um, he's trying to say, look, McGahn is with me. I, uh, I gave him permission to do this. And I think it's, it is possible uh, that there is no obstruction of justice or any of the sort of more substantive charges. Sure. Um, it, but I think that the, the, the question remains is um, 30 hours of, of conversation. And, and McGahn himself seems to think that there's a need to protect himself against legal exposure. Um, you can't know for certain what's happened until we, we know for certain. Um, but that does suggest that McGahn is at least worried that there could be uh, real legal consequences here and that he could be exposed. He's trying to save himself. Michael Warren, senior writer at the Weekly Standard. Michael, we appreciate the insights very much. Thanks. Thanks, Dallas. Thanks. Weekly Standard, a never-Trumper uh, organization. When critical. He was, when he was, <laughs> Highly critical. Bill Crystal is... Extremely critical. ...dedicated his career to making sure Trump would never be uh, the president. How'd that go? He runs the magazine. Uh, yeah, I, well, I still think that's the most likely thing, that he's not guilty of obstructing justice, and there was nothing that's legal... Uh, legally a problem collusion wise so mm-hmm. who cares if the lawyer talks for 30 what hours about crooked hillary lock her up <laughs> what's coming up in your news marshall well we got more fallout from the explosive report on predator priests in the catholic church former cia director brennan's considering taking legal action against president trump and it turns out one of the first women to accuse harvey weinstein of sexual assault now facing her own sexual assault accuser what bizarre story yes. yeah what? plus Joe's Travelogs. It's a popular feature we do every Monday. Absolutely. Yeah. Where Joe, is Joe Getty? That's me. Joe finishes crisscrossing the country. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Things. We have waited too long to once again honor Aretha Franklin, thanks to Al Sharpton. 
Show some R-E-S-P-I-C-T. Unbelievable. And secondly, he makes it too easy. <laughs> he does. And secondly, what are you going to call your feature? Joe's Travelogue? Uh, uh, Joe's Travelogues. And we have each Monday have Joe having crisscrossed the country. Yes. I'm picturing the title sequence showing me with a lobster, you know, in Maine. <laughs> like, oh, look how big it is. You got and, your wacky I'm traveling <laughs> hat on. And then I've got a big bushy coat. And I'm walking through the snow in another <laughs> shot. That sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there you are. Maybe Hoover me Dan. on a mule. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Joe's Travelogue coming up. Uh, Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, the Archbishop of Washington, D.C. reportedly is going to be meeting with priests in the Archdiocese today over his role in the Pennsylvania sex abuse scandal. Fox 5 is reporting that the Archdiocese of Washington's confirmed Cardinal Donald Wuerl will address the recent grand jury report that says 300 priests sexually abused more than a thousand children in pennsylvania he is under fire for his handling of those child sex abuse cases while he was the bishop of pittsburgh from 1988 to 2006 this is a big one for him to be involved in the cover-up and the moving of priests so completely then get the plum job of the head guy in dc yep then for days not make any comment how do you t- how, see? I don't. I don't see how you could possibly take serious anything that's been said in the last twenty four hours by the Pope or anybody else. I, I just. I don't know how you can. You know, if somebody who has to take seventy two hours or longer to get their uh, thoughts together and and, and figure out what they're going to say. Mm, smells of lawyers and caution to me. Absolutely, it seems the the guy that was on ABC this week. Right. It was so clear that his number one job was to protect themselves legally yeah. and, and you know, continue to protect the church. There's nobody reacting like anybody who's who's ever had kids or, or, or just any human being. None of them are acting like normal human beings yeah. around this. Act like everybody else when they hear these stories. Say, oh my God! Right. These people ought to be shot! Although, if this guy is, or believes himself to be in significant legal jeopardy, well, then I understand him taking many days to parse his words very carefully, to comb them. But then he's got to be out of the job. Yeah, then his boss has got to get rid of him. Right. Meanwhile, you got former CIA Director John Brennan on Meet the Press saying that he is indeed considering taking legal action against President Trump, not just for revoking his clearance, but to keep Trump from revoking security clearances of others who've spoken out against him. I am going to do whatever I can personally to try to prevent these abuses in the future. And if it means going to court, I will, I will do that. You know, I thought it was interesting as I was watching Meet the Press, even on Meet the Press, um, the roundtable of people that hate Trump uh, even agreed that he went too far with that whole treason thing. I mean, that was out of bounds for a former CIA director. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so that opens up to, you know, all kinds of stuff. Meanwhile, you got more than 175 additional former national security officials joining in opposition to Trump's decision to strip Brennan's security clearance. New letter out today was signed by people like former ambassadors, CIA analysts, and U.S. attorneys. And the letter notes that while they all do not uh, necessarily agree with Brennan's outspoken criticism of Trump, 
As seasoned experts, they should be able to express concern about national security issues without fear. Yeah, well, do they need to have those security clearances? I think that's the discussion we to have. I saw a Washington Post reporter say, how about we have the conversation of do all these thousands of people need to hang on to the security clearances? Is there a reason for that? Yeah. Or is What's it just all about? Or is it just kind of like a perk for them? Turns out that fewer Americans are relocating for a new job. With U.S. Census data finding about 3.5 million did so last year. That's down 10% from two years before. Those numbers have been trending lower and lower and lower for quite a while now. Yeah, we've been talking about that for years. People's willingness to move for a job has been going down, 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 down over the years. Yeah, experts... uh, Even though that's how the entire country was founded, and then the spread westward. Everybody was leaving everything they knew for a better job. We've gotten away from that for some for whatever reason. And I understand the impulse. Yeah, ex- I understand the impulse. Staying around family and friends would yeah. be awesome. Yep. Experts cite several factors for the change, including, as you mentioned, Jack, family reasons, being able to get a better job nearby in the current strong economy. You don't have to move as there far. You go. And the high housing costs in a lot of regions where there are a lot of jobs, but you're going to be has, facing a severe trade-off. You go for your uh, higher-paying job, but you're also paying higher housing costs. And it turns out one of the very first women to accuse disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein of sexual assault now facing her own sexual assault accuser. New York Times reports Italian actress and director Azia Argentina or Argentina. Hey, whatever. Uh, Anyway, she's uh, agreed in October to pay $330,000 to actor Jimmy Bennett. Asia Argento, I believe is her name. Very nice there, Sean. Very good. You just, you just rolled that off your tongue like it was nothing. Bennett accused Argento of uh, assaulting him in a hotel room in California in 2013 when he was 17 years old. She was 37. He was in a movie with her at the time. This really hot model actress assaulted a 17-year-old boy and wanted to have sex with him. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. She so, invited right. him into her room. And did the other boys on the playground call you names? Yeah, they did. Like <laughs> Boss and King. And- Playa, the boy who lived. <laughs> She invited King him to her world, room. my hero. <laughs> she invited hey, seriously. She invited him to her room, supposedly plied him with drink, and had her way with him. I know, I know. Some of you are upset every time we go this direction, but a 17-year-old boy was given booze by a hot model who wanted to have sex with him. All right. But for Mr. Bennett, the 2013 hotel room encounter was a betrayal that precipitated a spiral of emotional problems, according to the documents. Um, The fallout from a sexual battery was so traumatic it hindered Mr. Bennett's work and income and threatened his mental health, according to a notice of intent to sue that his lawyer sent in November. This was when did this occur? 2013. 2013, yeah. So now he's suing. Hey, getting back to the Catholic thing, there's been a a, a number of pushes, been hearing it mostly on NPR, of, of... of changing the statute of limitations on these sexual assaults and people saying this is what we've got to do with this is the change the good change that could come out of this and i think that's pretty damn scary um i i know one person that was falsely accused from years back on a sexual assault thing man you start letting people s- claim you know angry ex-wives troubled this or that claim with covered that, memories yeah claim that 20 years ago this happened i mean you've got no way to defend yourself you have no memory of it happening right uh, well or it didn't happen i mean that's 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 a tough one that's a tough one i understand it sucks that all these priests are going to get to walk because the time is up but 
I think it would do more harm than good if we start. Yeah, let's not be hasty. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. Here I'm starting to get show the conscience of the nation. That's a bald eagle right there, ladies and gentlemen, symbolizing freedom. Those of you who realize it's not a bald eagle, yes, we already know. No, <laughs> don't write us again. It sounds like an eagle ought to sound. Exactly. An eagle sounds like a seagull. I won't have it. You want the seagull for your national bird? You an America hater like old Cuomo in New York? Keep your emails to yourself. <laughs> Coming up, travels with Joe. Are you wearing a straw hat and you're standing in front of the sign of welcome to blank? Oh, you know it. There the you. world's largest something or other. Yeah, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. The nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Wiped the footprints off my dash, tore up those sunbeams. Study shows chores are good for kids. Um, God, I feel like if I don't tease something political, I'm making a mistake, which is a mistake on my own. That's what I say. It'll come up. It's inevitable. Michael, cue the theme music. Travels with Joe. There I am on a surfboard learning to surf. <laughs> Joe's with us today. Joe, where are you? Where there is I Joe? Am looking Joe at here a polar with us bear in the distance. <laughs> Joe, I thought you were here today. <laughs> I am. Oh, he's traveling America. I'm right. I'm right here. All right. I'm well, not... you're all Joe the plumber. No, I'm so right all of you here. Stand up and say, I thank you. Yeah. So, um. <clears throat> uh, long story short, I need to buy a cheap pickup truck because I just need it some. And I was sick of renting trailers at U-Haul and having to return them. And so I was looking on the uh, interwebs for a nice cheap pickup truck, and, and I found exactly what I was looking for in beautiful Boise, Idaho. And so it was a great excuse for road trips. A lot of people, why'd you go there to buy a truck? Because that's where it was, and it was an excuse for road trips. So I flew there, and the idea was I would drive it back, which is what I did. But I can't even remember how this started. Oh, that's right. We've been getting emails from a number of folks who listen to the show every single day in Idaho, in the Boise area in particular. Uh, A lot of people have fled the West Coast to get to uh, Idaho because, well, for lots of reasons. Yeah. Um, And, you know, a handful of other places, too. But a lot of of folks heading to to, uh, Idaho and uh, been corresponding with these people, really nice people. And there were, you know, a handful who I thought it'd be fun to have a beer. And so I let them know I'm coming and mentioned it on the air a couple of times. And we ended up having uh, 30 people. I think it was about 30. I tried to do a head count. They kept moving, um, which was which was great. I mean, just really enjoyed it. And, you know, shout out to everybody who was there, and, and thanks for making me feel welcome. And it was tough because, you know, I was trying to spend time with everybody. Because of their thick accent. You well, couldn't understand what they were saying. I could barely understand them. You just nodded and smiled. Their Idaho accents. It's, it's weird. But... Um, so I was trying to spend time with everybody and, you know, I'd worry that uh, nobody was happy. Although, I don't know. They all fun. showed up with a baby raccoon because that's your tradition there when you sure. meet somebody new. And- right. You hand them a, a raccoon as a traditional gift. And I drove home with, with 28 raccoons <laughs> in my, my brand new old truck. But so anyway, the guy who sold me the truck picks me up at the airport, which was pretty typical of, of people of Boise. They're just all so damn nice. But, um, it was super hazy. 
I could barely see the mountains, and it's kind of surrounded by mountains. And the guy, I said, wow, this is rough. Is this just haze or what? He goes, oh, yeah. It's like this all the time. It's like two-thirds of the time. It's an inversion layer because we're surrounded by mountains. And, yeah, it's, you can rarely see him and all. And he was a pretty nice guy. He, he, he was, uh, he's from uh, Southern California. He's from Orange County, uh, Long Beach, surfer. Um, and kind of anxious to get back to California. He said, "You really, I, I yeah, I'm going to get a job there soon. I really, I really want to get back home. I miss it." Blah blah blah. Tough and, to surf in Boise. Yeah, well, Boise. And he was so he was bitching about the weather and the and 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 the rest of it. And I thought, wow, I'd never heard that about this place. And uh, then, in the process of talking to many, many people in that fair city and in the surrounding area, um. Found out the guy's completely full of crap. I mean, nothing he said to me was legit, except the stuff about the truck, which is a great truck. I drove it hundreds and hundreds of miles. It seems to be fine. And I can't figure out if this guy was legit just a SoCal guy who didn't like being out of SoCal, or if he was working me a little bit. To try to what? And, well, get in l- bed with l- you? No, no, that's fairly rare at this point. In my Had life. he already handed you the baby raccoon? <laughs> He's a the traditional guy. greeting. No, he he wouldn't because he was from California. He, he in fact he mocked that tradition, that beautiful tradition. <laughs> but so listen, I, I'm gonna. I need to do a favor to everybody I met for, or for everybody I met. Just really quickly, if you've never been to Boise. It was tough to get to know the place because there are traffic jams for hours there. You can't get anywhere. There's rampant crime. If there's a knifing jack on the streets, people don't even look up. They just step over the corpse. Of course, the corpse isn't there for long because of the packs of ravenous wild dogs that are running everywhere. And, of course, the dogs shed a lot in the summer because it gets to be 150 degrees in the summer, and it's about 100 below in the winter. And the water comes out of the tap as brown as tobacco juice. So, <laughs> so for the love of God, don't even consider moving to Boise, Idaho. There you go, folks. I told you I'd do it, and I did it. Oh, a little show and tell very quickly. First of all, look at this. And I, I, I don't want to say names. I don't know. But, uh, Jack, this is for you and the boys. And positive, Sean, here's one for you. It's the Idaho Spud Candy Bar. Which Idahoans have eaten since childhood. The candy bar that makes Idaho famous, it says. Yeah, super popular candy bar. Also here for your boys, a little audio there. It's the radio. These are some pins to put on your hats. They're uh, Idaho potato pins. There you go. And speaking, oh, awesome. <laughs> speaking of hats. That could be a potato or a deuce. It's hard to tell. I'm not seeing potato as an ingredient <laughs> in this candy deuce bar. As in a poo. What? Um, and then this, this hat which was uh, described to me as so Idaho. Take a look at that, Jack. It's the state of Idaho tipped on its side. To look like a gun. To look like a gun, including a trigger guard and a trigger, and it appears to be shooting a pine tree. So I think the meaning's pretty clear. You mess with Idaho, and we'll we'll tip on our side to shoot trees at you or something. So That's very clever. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for that hat. That's pretty funny. We'll post a picture of it uh, online. It's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> God dang it, did I have a good time. Uh, aside from the running dogs and the, the brown water right. and the, the temperature extremes and all, I, it reminded me 
of times I've spent in the middle of the country where everybody is so freaking nice to you all the time as a default. Oh, man, it was great. Waitress running like a maniac to keep the crowded beer joint we were in. And she's just working like crazy. And, of course, her attitude was, I'm sorry it took so long. I'll be right back with that. Just just incredibly sweet. I wish more people would would travel more, but most people have no interest in it unless they're going to Bali or Nepal. Um, uh, they have no interest in exploring their own country. So Yeah. And, and I just know that that's true. Most people have no interest in it. Yeah. What well, is this thing? Are you eating the uh, potato bar? I was hoping you might uh, hazard a bite or two. Wow, it looks... I was expecting it to look better than that. <laughs> but, yeah, what? I was expecting it to taste better. <laughs> Let, show me the uh, innards of it, Sean. It's got like some weird, almost like nougat Dark consistency. Nougat-y, yeah. It's, and a, it's, it's a local uh, delicacy. The chocolate candy, dipped, got coconut. The candy bar coconut. that made Idaho famous. Well, of course, everywhere you go in Idaho, you see coconut trees. <laughs> <laughs> I don't taste any potatoes. Hmm. A curious blend of tastes. Well, out there in the wilds of the prairie, you know, you take what candy bars you can get. <laughs> it's not going to help us, though. So people move less for jobs. Nobody wants to travel, as I just mentioned, in the country. Um, it doesn't help us with the whole we have our own views of the country and, 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 you know, believe our own stories and hate the other side. It doesn't help any. No. Oh, no. They're... Maybe that's what we should demand. Everybody has to spend six months driving around the country at some point. Right. Yeah, that would be a You well, have to visit curious, at least 20 different states or something. It'd be a little anti-land of the free-ish, but I see your point. Yeah, yeah, get to actually know people, and you might find you like them. More on the way in the Armstrong and Getty Show.